Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels, and we have another guest with us in the virtual studio. It's our good buddy, Chris. How's it going, guys? hey Hey, how's it going? We got the uh, captain of the USS Pike with us. This, wait, wasn't it USS Pike? Isn't that what we, we called yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. That was before... Right. Um, yes. Before yeah, Strange before. New Worlds, I think even before season two of uh, Discovery, Disco. Yeah, Discovery. We, we, yeah. we were, uh, what's it, when you can tell the future type stuff here? Prescient? Clairvoyant. Clairvoyant. Clairvoyant, yes. Right. So, yeah. Cap, yes, we were. Right. Cap, Captain Chris with us. Welcome, Chris. Why, why do we have you on the show today, Chris, besides just being an awesome fella? What, what is the special occasion? Uh, I apparently recommended a movie that uh you guys watched yeah coca-cola so. kid so we're going to talk about that we did watch later that. and uh then we can have chris tell us all the fond memories of why this is one of his favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. uh, until then um dennis tell told me off the air that he's in yuma not not utah i heard that right not utah yuma right yep yep so what I, what's there to do in yuma that, wait, was, wait. What, what state is that? What state it's Arizona. That? Arizona. Okay. Yeah. Yuma. At the far, um, the far southwestern corner of uh, of Arizona. The reason I'm here is that there is a park. Um, actually, um, decide how much detail i want to go into this there's a, there's a sort of <laughs> sub network of resorts that like was acquired or merged or whatever with um the mm-hmm. thousand trails program called encore and they are rv yeah. resorts instead of rv parks or preserves Ooh. or whatever if they're like hot tubs and swimming pools yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> a lot of the thousand trails parks have pools and hot tubs too but this mm-hmm. one is um it's not in the woods Although I was in the Thousand Trails in Las Vegas, and it was obviously not in the woods either. Um, but it's just a loop of of two, three rows of, of RV spots all packed together. And there are a lot of parks in this network in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and maybe a handful of others. And most of them are 55 and up. They're like retirement community RV parks. Ah. Um, but this one, I think maybe used to be and isn't now or whatever. They, they, they've had some, some changes in their, in their system, whatever. But anyway, uh, that's the, that's the technical reason why I'm here. And the practical reason why I'm here is that it is warm and I'm not worried about <laughs> anything freezing. True. Very true. <laughs> the, Go to the desert to do it, right? Yeah, the the temps range from it gets down into the forties at night, and then like high sixties, low seventies during the day. Um, and if I open my curtain, well, it's dark now, but I can see palm trees and sunset out my nice out my window, and it's and it's nice. Oh, oh um, I haven't yeah. seen sunset in like Sounds six great. hours, so it's crazy. <laughs> that's that's how it yeah, works. It got dark the, here at three, I think. As so. the earth spins and it felt like it got dark late 
today. And by late, I mean like 5.30 or 6. Yeah, um, right. feel like it's been getting dark more like 4. Maybe that's the time zone because Arizona does not do daylight savings time. So even though I went pretty much straight south from Vegas to get here, I went from Pacific to Mountain uh, time zones. I forgot there's that mountain time zone. I always forget that. Yep. In yep. The middle there. Oh. Never been out to Arizona. There's yeah, beautiful it's, like it's national nice. parks and stuff there. Is that where the Grand Canyon yeah. is? Yeah, Arizona and um, mm-hmm. and Utah, I think. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I saw it. I was here. I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago. Or so we came out for uh, my brother's graduation in California from college. And uh, my family drove back, but I only rode with them as far as Denver and flew the rest of the way. I don't remember why. I think probably just how much how much time I could get off work or something. Hmm. But we saw the Grand Canyon and broke down somewhere. <laughs> on Route 66, and went to a okay. uh, went to a place called went to a place called Arizona. Yeah, classic, which is like a Arizona. It's like a like a bear mm-hmm. preserve. They've got a bunch of bears. Oh. In the, yeah, <laughs> I, I my mind went the wrong way. Like it's a nudist colony or something. No, B A R bear. Arizona. Not B A R E, Arizona. No, no. And it's There's probably one of those someplace. I'm, I'm sure, sure that I'm, I'm sure, sure it's there is. And I'm sure it's also it's an RV park too. So maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the the Arizona is a little holy um, grail. Infamous in my family because my brothers uh I forget how old they were. They were probably like young teenagers, like 12, 14, uh somewhere in that range. And whenever we saw the bears, like, sort of roughhousing or playing, they'd rear up and co- sort of swat at each other. We kept doing the the fight music from original Star Trek when Kirk and Spock are dueling. You know <laughs> yeah. the music I'm talking oh, about? Oh, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. What, yeah. what Jim Carrey does in uh, um, Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you remember that movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Ter- I've terrible, not... terrible movie that we are not going to put on our list. So. Oh, I'm going to put it out right now. <laughs> and, and I shouldn't that. open my mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible there. movie. I agree. That's terrible. <laughs> that was bad. That's the first one I ever heard of anybody even walking out. I, that people walked out of movies I didn't know. And then someone said, that, so I left that movie. I was like, you can leave movies? <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Uh, all right. Anyway, what, what, what do you got today? Do we, do we want to start? Let's do... Let's do our show early. Chris here. I got questions that which, I think only he which, can answer. It's it's a double feature. So which movie oh, do you want to do first? Well, let's let's start. Okay, we're gonna start easy. We'll do the the heavyweights, and then we'll move into the other one. Okay. All I right. didn't recommend that one. <laughs> have Have uh, either of you seen this movie? I have not. I did not see it before. This is the first time. So. Yeah. yeah. This, I was saying off air, this is one of the movies we had on VHS. Um, we, when I was growing up, we almost never had cable. My grandparents had cable, which is part of why I liked going to their house, watch Nickelodeon. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, this is pre-Cartoon Network, if there are any millenniums listening. But um, yeah, we had this movie on VHS, and so I've seen it dozens and dozens of times, but it's probably been 15, 20 years since I last saw it. But I still, you know, every time a line came up, I was like, I remembered it exactly um, how it happened. I, I am surprised that I hadn't seen this one before because it, it does seem like one of those things that I would have watched at home or the family would have had on and, mm-hmm. um, you know, very kid-friendly. It's, it's I'm trying to think of what I would put in, uh, Bad News Bears type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That does all that. Yeah. Yeah. Or Sandlot, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think those movies are better than this one. Not that this one's a bad one, but those are like classic type stuff. But that, it still felt like that's in the same kind of thing that that I hadn't heard about it or seen it. Um, yeah. Uh, so this is the first time you saw it, Chris. What'd you think of this movie compared to maybe some of those other films? Or well, I don't think it compares to Sandlot. <laughs> so <laughs> Sandlot's such a good movie. Um, yeah, it was a stiller movie. I mean, you know, like it it. Uh, it played that way. It was funny that way. You know, he was ridiculous, played multiple characters. His entire family was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it had some, it had some funny points. I mean, I, I actually chuckled, uh, but there were some weird places too. Sure. So De- definitely made for like a 10 year, the 10 year olds, right. To, to watch yeah. a, a few yeah. p- points where adults like it's for the adults uh, things, but um, I, I, I liked, um, I think this, is the, f- the furthest back I've seen, is it Keenan Thompson? Is that his name? The, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it's the youngest I've seen him do things and man, yeah. you could just, a couple things I, I was noting. One is that he, he didn't do his typical Keenan Thompson characters that he's developed as he's gotten older. Um, so yeah. it, was a t- it was an actual character, but then again, like he was great. Like he just feels that kid feels so comfortable on stage yeah, or acting. Whatever. Yeah. In acting. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can definitely see now looking back, say like, Oh yeah, that, that kid was going to be in this industry and is today. And, and when you watch him today, like on Saturday Night Live or anything, he's like, yeah, he's just like made to be in front of or uh, perform in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I really, and I liked him in this one a lot too. So I, I actually think he was the best one. Um, it but yeah, yeah i'd agree yeah he's the he's the only one of the kids that i think i recognize from later um they're just a handful of adults like tim blake nelson is the is the pitch man at the beginning of course mm-hmm. um jeffrey tambor is the dad um mm-hmm. uh paul feig played tim the skinny counselor um, right. He's. I think he's better known as a director. He directed some episodes of The Office and the the Ghostbusters movie that doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> well, there's also the the guy, the camp counselor that has the crush on the nurse. That one. He's. Yeah. Isn't that the same guy that's in Modern Family? Uh, Tom McGowan. I don't, I don't think it is. Think so. Oh. Uh, oh, he just seemed mm, like it, I guess. No, all right. I should have, no, I should have looked that up. But he, he was in uh, an episode of Veep. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. 
he was in an episode of Modern Family, but he played a principal. He was he's not the, oh. the Yeah. The, I was thinking it was Eric, Eric Stone Street is who I was thinking it was, but it's not. Yeah, not he's he'd be too old, I think, for that because this movie well, was in '95. Well, you you never know. As I said, it just a uh, um he the, he looks so different as a figure when they're when they're younger and changed. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And wasn't yeah, this, I mean, wasn't this written by Apatow? Wasn't this an Apatow movie? Y- is it? Yes. He's got a right. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I man, yeah. it didn't feel like an Apatow some... movie. Yeah, I think well, it was I think 95. This one um it's I mean it's definitely a kids movie like mm-hmm. you know it doesn't I wouldn't sit and watch it with a group of adults unless there were controlled substances involved but <laughs> um I think it holds up it better might get too than, weird if you do that <laughs> right uh I think it holds up better than like um little giants that we watched a few months ago oh or sure sure maybe last oh, wow. year the, I haven't seen that in a long time yeah, which I remember really fondly, but then I watched it and I was like, this is, so much of this is just like, it's like, um, uh, it's like a, like a mediocre Spielberg movie ordered off Wish. <laughs> but, but yeah, this, you know, it's, it's hard for me to separate it because as I said, I remembered all the lines and all the jokes and, um, Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, there was some. Go ahead. No, I was just say I, I liked it enough, and and it and it was fun, and I would, I would definitely have it on the TV, on a holiday, type thing, or you know, so sure. all the kids can watch something that you know you don't have to worry about or whatever, and yeah, um, right, generally funny, and they can watch well, it and lighthearted. Um, there was the time the kid like. Ate the chocolate off the other kid's stomach. That was disgusting. <laughs> that what gross. the heck was that? <laughs> I almost threw up. I'm like, don't do it. No, no. And then he did it. Uh, and then he did it. Ugh. I don't yeah, care what yeah. kind of acting that was. Like, director had to be like, here, he's going to have melted chocolate on his stomach and then lick it. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. That and the food orgy at the near the end. I right. mean, that one was just bizarre. Like, I was just like, what? what is going on? It just kept going. It's like, okay. Yeah. Because uh, I have to be a kid. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the ending is really like, um, I don't want, I don't want to say rushed, but I'm like, I was watching yes. the, I was watching the scrubber, the runtime and I'm going, I know this movie is like 90 minutes, maybe 95 minutes long or something. It's not. It's not very long, but I'm watching it and going, they still have to do the big uh, culturally uh, insensitive uh, competition at the end. Right. Right. And and they got to because I know they do the thing. It's it's weird how uh, Ben Stiller's cameraman just like becomes part of the the camp staff randomly. Yeah. Um, Right giving him math questions and stuff. And I'm like, I know there's cause he does that nine is German for no, uh, line. And I'm, and I'm looking at it and going, there's only, there's barely 15 minutes left. Like, how are, are they going to cram yeah. all of that? And yeah, they definitely do. It was a, race. a, yeah. a ridiculous, uh, go-kart, um, thing. Right. <laughs> race. So Jen watched it with me. 
So she just she she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to watch this so I can talk talk about it with the guys." And and so she just sat there for a minute, and then she kept watching and kept watching. And so when it got to the cultural culturally insensitive part, she goes, "Oh, that doesn't work." <laughs> <laughs> How do you say yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> that that didn't uh, uh, age well, and then right. uh, and the, and then when the the go kart thing, she says, "Oh, he's gonna fly over the top, isn't he?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Yes, he's gonna fly over the top." Like, and it was, it was just so rushed. I mean, at the end, there were just like so many things. I mean, even some of the lines seemed like that. Like even when he says he's crazy about my gal. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like cringed. I was like, really? <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't that terrible. And the freeze frame ending, I was like, oh, that is so 90s. Yes. <laughs> love, right. love I was just uh, like, oh, geez. That's that's one of those moments where I'm like, I'm like, wait, does this end in a freeze frame? I think it does. And it definitely does. <laughs> Boom. And it does. Yeah. Oh, uh, one of my uh, my other favorite part is when they the, he kicks the kid out right after the right after uh he does the the seymour butts we were talking about off Mm -hmm. you know off the air um right after that they do a a circle wipe on his face and i was like (laughs) what what is that about you know and then they come back and he's gone right yeah and it's like oh okay but it was just like that is so old school (laughs) like is is what what, like whose idea was that (laughs) but they did it right yeah, but it some of those things, when, some I, of those things when you talk about like not aging well, it's it's so interesting when we go back and watch these films and and like what what is not aging well, especially with jokes. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the stuff is the you know people would do what's now known as culturally insensitive jokes. It's like oh, it's funny we're making we make a funny thing about a gay person or you know woman's in the house type thing. That's funny, ha ha ha, and then. Over time, we realized that those funny ha-ha jokes actually are hurtful to people, but we mm-hmm. didn't really, yeah. you know, when they were being said or whatever, right. it wasn't quite as known. Um, sure. And and then now we get to know them. So when we look back at those, it was like, oh, man, it's, it doesn't age well because we recognize that people who are not in on that joke, it's so hurtful type stuff. We, we right. just recognize that now. So it's hard to – I remember – some of those, you know, off-color jokes and thinking, oh, those are great and hilarious. But now I really recognize, oh, that's why they're they're not yeah. so good anymore. Like, like everybody has the yeah. same, like, set of jokes to make fun of a group of people. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, like, I grew up outside Chicago, so the, they were Polish or Polak, as we said then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you listen to, like, the Bob and Tom uh, Electric Amish the, the right. fake fake Amish band and they would make jokes about Mennonites and they're the mm-hmm. same jokes. It's just a joke about somebody being dumb. And so you substitute whatever group or blondes or whatever. Um, and I don't hear, I, I guess, I guess I do. Maybe they're a little more, a little more thoughtful now with the, in the internet age, but um I don't hear those those same bad jokes as much anymore. Yeah, I mean, right. and and if we are, it's it's. It, I think sometimes it's it's with eyes wide open. Like you know, we're doing a joke. We know that they're going to be offended a bit with it, but I'm going to say it anyway because I recognize that type stuff. But it's a little bit right. more. That. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that one. I I would say to wrap that one up. I'd, I I do recommend it to 
uh, young people. Like, there's not anyone who I think is, you know, ten, not especially a boy, nine to nine to eleven, uh, that wouldn't mildly like this, you know, or sure. be interested in, yeah. and can sit and watch it. So I definitely would recommend it to any parent that has kids like, man, I got to get them to watch something and I got to go do some work or something. So that's one to sit them down in front of. Um, moving forward from there, we're going to the next one, our, our showcase of tonight, uh, the Coca-Cola kid. Made in 1943. It feels so old. No, um, no. In 1985. Uh, 85. F- film filmed on Mars with people who live on Mars because it's so weird. Australia. It's filmed <laughs> same, in Australia. Same, same so thing. Same close thing. Close to the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, with Eric Roberts, who looks like a Martian. Well, that's so funny. I, I saw he was he's so weird looking in this, and I mean, just that's what he was when he's younger. Yeah, and he's always been. He, He's definitely one of the ones that I think when he's gotten older, he looks better. He looks, I mean, he just looks like a, he's interesting character, actor, and mm-hmm. um, in, in general. But when he was younger, I think he was trying to this heartthrob leading man in Hollywood thing. But he just looks so weird. Like he's been on cocaine for so long. Um, <laughs> and, and then. Possibly. It, very possibly. But uh, all right, Chris. So tell us a little bit of backstory about this film and wh- why why you like it. Um, I just liked it. I mean, I saw it when I was, you know, in my 20s because I'm that old. And uh, I just thought it was different. It, it was just kind of odd and different. I've always liked kind of odd and different things as, as the two of you being friends are, make that apparent. And I think that um, the Coca-Cola spin and the fact that they were dissing on Coca-Cola pretty much the whole time uh, was kind of fun. How do they how do they do that? By the way, like it's got Coca Cola branding through the whole film. Yeah, but it's, it says at the very beginning that this yeah, is no, no association with the Coca-Cola. massive ridiculous. There's a entry in IMDb for crazy credits because it's got this massive disclaimer right. at the beginning. And according to the trivia, um, they made this without uh, Coca Cola's knowledge or consent, but. Yeah. Since it, here's what it says since both the company and its product were depicted so favorably in the film, as well as the film being free advertising, <laughs> they took no legal action against the parties involved. So weird. I mean, like, I, how would you go like through? The yeah, like, how would you like go through all of the effort to make a movie without without checking that first? Like, because what if that hadn't worked right. out and they just like massively sued them? Yeah, that would have been weird. Well, it's wild. Yeah, well, they would just shut the movie down. They probably yeah, but, they but you, you have profits, to you, you know but... they they they've already made it and when they release it. That's when they find out about it. So they spent all the money to make it. It's true. Make it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But also, I, what I think is interesting about that thing you just said, Dennis, was that it sounds like people. People from Coca-Cola only watched the first third of this film because for the first third of the <laughs> yeah. film, it seems it, they're right. It seems kind of favorable for Coca-Cola. It doesn't, they're not really bashing yeah. them at all. 
Um, they, cool. There's a cool he, lyric that comes out of it. There's, oh, yeah, the know, little lyric thing. They, they do um, – he pitches Coca-Cola constantly and all the positives of it in a yeah. non-satirical, right. ironic way. And talks, then only in that last act, they really like – now we're bashing on Coke and we're bringing it all back out. So I don't think they watched it all the way through. No. Yeah, I think they took it wrong too. Because when he was being so serious about it, like I didn't take that as serious. I took that as like, oh, look how awful they are. They're, you know, giant corporate America. Blah blah blah. I mean, that's what it looked like. You know, here comes America to save the day. He was a marine. You know, all of those kinds of right. things. Right. And, and they were kind of making fun of all of that. You know, where there's all these laid back Australians saying, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And you and know. like the the old guy in the woods is clearly the villain. But in it, in as much as this hmm. movie has anything like a coherent plot, uh, I I spent yeah, a lot of I, time just just watching, it going, what what is like? It would just from one scene to the next, like he's kicked out of the hotel and then he wakes up on the edge of a cliff, like sleeping. Yeah, right. Camp, <laughs> right? and I'm like, does does? And he, then the guy in a camel so, shows up. He looks like he's surprised that he's on a cliff, but. How did he get there? <laughs> right? Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait. And then the next scene, he's in a hotel with a guy who brings him a gun with a silencer on it. And you're like, what, what yeah, is happening? There was, there was this whole B story yeah. where the, the concierge at the hotel thinks that he's CIA and then gets arrested but at maybe the I've end. S- <laughs> but he I still know, maybe takes... I've just seen it so many times. It all seems to... It works together for me. <laughs> Well, you know what? What by the end of this film, I, I will admit, I I did. There's a couple of films I've watched where I've it's over, and then I'm I sit there for almost like three minutes, and I just don't know what to think. And this was one of them. That <laughs> you're welcome. I, I, yeah. Am I am I supposed to? What am I supposed to say about this? Because often those times I'm. When a film's over, I think about what we're going to talk about. What what should I talk about? What are we? What kind mm-hmm. of thing can I remember to put it in my mind? But this one was three minutes of I don't even know what to say, you know. And then I think the next day I came by and I might have read something or something, and then it, or I saw a label that it's labeled as comedy. And I think that might have been my kind of issue is that I did not realize it was a comedy at all. Oh. And oh yeah, it, it's supposed to be funny. The whole thing, right? Was, it didn't feel was there, funny. Was there any point? Oh. I guess Chris, you've seen this from from years mm-hmm. ago. But were either of you surprised to find out that it was a period film? <laughs> you told me that and I, when I showed you that ending, and I was like, "What does this mean? What, what do you mean by it's a period <laughs> film?" I want expand upon that. At, at the very yeah. end, there's a title card that says. One week later, while cherry blossoms bloomed in Japan, another world oh, yes. war started. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, right." Okay, so is this actually 1941? And I, no. I thought back on it. Maybe not. Maybe that's a joke that like the cola wars yeah. became a third war because it didn't. Or maybe, it, maybe it was a manga, and we just, I just, we just don't know it. Maybe it was a comic book to start, and I'm, I have no idea. Maybe, but I'd Maybe. have to go look. I had to go look that up because when I I remember that too, and when I saw it this time, I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. You know, like it just. I think it just adds to the ridiculousness of it all. I mean, I think that that must uh, be that must be because I was like, I mean, was it supposed to be the 40s? And I just didn't pick up no. because they didn't bother making anybody's hair right. Which no, they had printers. No, no they had yeah. printers, and 
Ice oh, machines that's true. That's and true. Phones. Yeah, they talked right. on the phones. Across. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I had the teletype had machines phones. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it's out. And, and, and he had credit cards. Remember, a wallet full of credit cards. With that's the, true. They spent like that's true. Forty seconds showing the, his wallet with credit cards in yeah, it. That was reason. strange. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he was quitting. Man, those are all his corporate credit cards. That's just how cool mm, he is. He's like, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I guess I didn't get that. <laughs> I think I think part of the funny. I think for me, part of the funny too was that you know, especially like the guy who was trying to get weapons. I mean, like they they were wanting to you know have a revolution or revolt in Australia and you're mm-hmm. just thinking in Australia, like why, who would want to like, what are you talking about? You know? And it just didn't like, especially in the eighties, like everything you thought about Australia was laid back and you know, like yeah. uh, cause of Cro- crocodile Dundee and you know, all these things are just so cool, calm and you know, like having fun kind of thing. That was kind of their whole persona. So that was just kind of ridiculous. And then, um, and then the guy doing his own Coke or doing his own soda and stuff Sodas, with all the yeah. old machines, you know, like, I don't know. But then, you know, but it also had Greta Scotchy in it. And that's, yeah. that kind of sold it for me too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Understandably. Just saying. Right. Yeah. That, that, that was another thing too, is the like gratuitous nudity that they had. Like when, when they had that, it felt very much like the room type scenes where they just like full body nudity, for no reason and then it, they they spent a long time on it i'm like i appreciate that but you ta- you're talking about the you shower know? scene yeah there's like a shower scene they've got there or, or but the shower like, oh but the but the shower scene was like like 15 seconds oh no I, the, the just, long one i was more was talking about like the feather the feathers mm. the feather scene now that's longer yes i i appreciated that <laughs> i mean you know again i was like in my 20s so i'm probably like yeah, this is the best movie ever uh, no, no, I I can see uh, that for that, but um, you know, there she, she's going. They're having a like, conversation. There's like the sex scene before, and then they're actually doing some plot talking. I think, and that's when she starts, yeah. like blowing feathers and going down on him. And I'm like, wait, what? What's happening? <laughs> Are we doing <laughs> plot really dialogue here? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so it it was it was just so weird. And now that I'm talking to you about it, Chris, I'm actually and and that I read that it was a comedy. I'm actually wondering if it's just a, a for me a failure either from the director or the editor or the sound people because when you watch films like say like um, Stripes um, or that that aren't like telling joke jokes like there are cues that directors and sound designers and music things do to make let you know that this is a a funny thing sure right. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's when Bill Murray comes and he'll say something, for example, in stripes, you've got, um, I'm trying to think of his buddy. That's another one. Um, um, he's Egon. Andy? No. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, he, he, well, he would um, be, he'd be smirking at it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, so it's, it's that cue that this is funny or they would do a, a funny sound or a light hearted uh, music type thing behind it. Do 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 do, you know? Um, and you're like, Oh, this is, this is a jokey, but this didn't have any of that. So it was kind of like they would do mate. Now that I know that they're kind of being silly with it, it didn't feel like it was silly or maybe they weren't going over a top enough. So if Eric, uh, um, I think it was, but I think it was just more about the situations that made it silly. Like even when they came back, to the Coke thing and he brought the ladies in the outfits and they're, 
they're singing whatever and they're singing some I can't even remember the song, but they're the, jingling the these things. Well, they're doing Waltz and Matilda. The McCoke. Yes, the McCoke the McCoke song. No, that they, they do oh, the McCoke song. They do McCoke. Right. And and that I mean that's just goofy. I mean, that's all goofy. This even the song when they're in the studio, you know, like they say, Is that Australian? And he says, Is Australian as a shit sandwich? Right. Or <laughs> barbed wire canoe. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> It's just bizarre yeah, I, comedy. It was just yeah, it was just so it was so bizarre. And and maybe also another part was that I was just like Dennis said, looking for some semblance of a plot, um, and what's happening and a thing. And I, I should have I got to remember a lot of films in the eighties that were comedies. Again, now that I know it's mm-hmm. a comedy, we're all over the place. Go watch Caddyshack yeah. and tell me if you can tell what the heck's going on in that film half the time. <laughs> well, it was a. It was a, a, a discovery journey for the hero who wasn't really a hero. He started out as the villain, right? But yeah. he, you know, he came to terms with his, you know, what he thought he was on the righteous path, but he wasn't. Right, right. and that and that happens in the last like five minutes of the film, right? Yeah, yeah. like yeah, he, pretty much. He, He's he, been dis- he, he was discovering it the whole time, I think. But okay, so he he kept he kept turn like. Turning down that girl the whole time for like n- normal reasons. He was, yeah. He, he was putting her. It's like, no, I don't like you. Go away. And she was like, no, I'm gonna force myself the whole time. And it wasn't like I'm, in a jokey way where she was being over the top. It was just this like persistent nagging of. But I think he was afraid to to jump jump you know jump into that that hoop or whatever jump into that that cup. I don't know. I don't even know what the whatever to say here, but. I think it's uh, like even even right before they had the feather scene, right? She takes her boot off and he's like, no, put that back on. You know, and they have a <laughs> yeah, whole like, scene with her taking the boot on and off, right? Yeah. Um, right. And, and, and my, thought, does, my thought on that one is like, man, she's being a jerk. <laughs> With, <laughs> again, right. I did not realize that we're supposed to be laughing at this thing. She just went mm-hmm. real annoying. And he kept saying, stop being a child. Stop. And he wasn't doing it in a like, stop being a child. <laughs> it was a... Like scolding her and getting angry with her, and then she kept being annoying. Yeah, she was, was, he was, but again, I think he's a pent up, the pent up Marine American, whatever. And she's like, just like, you know, we'd we'd get along better if we just had sex. I mean, that was one of her lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So, and and, and then and, all of a sudden, his mind changes. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. 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 No. 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 Yeah. That's exactly right. He's like, okay. Oh, and all but, of a sudden, that's when he had the character development changed, and we were so one of my one of my. I just remember one of my uh, one one of my favorite lines that should have set it off as a comedy right off the bat was the guy. He comes into the office, and he says, "Who are you?" And the guy brings in a printout, and he's like, "Oh, it's right here. I love a man." It says, "I like a man who can that beats his printout." I mean, that's beats printout. Yeah. You know, and it's but. That right there, like that, should have also triggered. This is ridiculous, you know. Yeah, and yeah, it's, and it's wet. And he's like, I don't understand why these teletypes yeah. are always wet. <laughs> the, yeah, the, always wet. Probably, right. yeah. probably should have tipped it off uh, that it was a comic because there's no explanation for that. Like you see her getting it wet she when she's wet. like washing donut glaze off her fingers or whatever she's doing because you see her eating and like wiping her hands on it so you see that she's mm-hmm. kind of klutzy and a little bit of a slob right and yet like she 
runs her hands underwater and gets the paper all wet. I'm like, why is she doing that? And then it, he says, I don't know why they're they're always damp. And always, there's, always, yeah. there's never any explanation for that. It's just no, chaotic, it's just subtle, nonsense. like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. And, and and, may, and maybe you know I, mean, I love it, chaos. <laughs> right, it, right. it it does sound like it was, it's just a failure in directing, um, in in that you can. Do, so so now that I'm hearing these jokes back or, or the absurdity to it, instead of uh, the other things that I mentioned, more like airplane where they do an absurd thing, and mm-hmm. the way the line is delivered, it's just. It's I don't know. There's just something more about like when Leslie Nielsen says, you know, um, uh, "Don't call me Shirley" or something like that. That is right. immediately recognizing that this is goofy. Yeah, right? some weird, some weird credits and stuff. That's actually why um, <clears throat> why TV shows have uh, laughs, like we say, laugh track, and it's sometimes a track, but mm-hmm. you know, right. originally, you know. TV was all live and they had an audience and they would, you know, flash a light or hold up a sign to tell the audience when, when to laugh. And the motivation was, you know, TV was a new thing. And they're like, we need to make sure that people know whether they're watching a comedy or a drama. And so they had audience laughter after the jokes so that people wouldn't be confused. Um, Yeah. Hmm. Like and, it and sounds like you know what? Maybe that comes movie. down to the lead. Like Eric Roberts just doesn't have really good comedic timing, or sure. I mean, he he. I don't. I can't think of anything else that he's done that's been a comedy. Yeah, so, I, and and I won't rave good. about him in this. Like I, I think I think somebody else could have done a better job, but he's just so weird mm-hmm. and so weird. So weird. kind of can and kind of fit that. Like let's go over the top. Uh, he. He's played a lot of over the top characters, and that's what this was over the top, all about Coke, you know, and and America, you know, like it was just that. So it kind of fit, yeah. but I could see somebody else do a better job. I mean, yeah, I didn't but, want to see him end up with Greta in the end, but you know, right? So. <laughs> well, I I think one of the biggest questions I had was you answered it right now was was that was that weird, odd, just what the heck ending that they they put out. And now that you've explained to me that I should have, it's all just silly, jokey stuff. Now that works. Mm-hmm. Like while the cherries blossomed in Japan, the next world war began. Like if I look at the whole film as just absurd, that's a perfectly absurd ending, you know? Yes. Right. But, but I mean, but I, I was, go back and, I didn't know that. And I was like, what, what, what just happened? You know, well, maybe I should have said something. Yeah. I mean, you could even go back and even the words to that song, don't want to go where there's no Coca-Cola. I mean, that's even like, what? Like it's that that leads into the like America doesn't go go anywhere that's not America kind of thing. So it even mm. doubled down on that Eric Roberts kind of thing. Right. Yeah, the I, so. I think I swear I heard that song though when I was a kid. Like you did. I when I kept yeah. hearing it, I think I'm like, oh, this is a real Coke jingle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also some wanted- of so, some of the musicians are from the band uh, Split Ends. Oh, yeah. Okay. I read that in the in the trivia. Yeah, Greta um, was actually, I think, married to the guy who said his name's Phil, and he's leader of the band. So he wrote mm-hmm. that jingle, um, for the for the movie. So and it <laughs> and it does a... sound it does sound Australian in in the sense yeah, that it right. reminded me of uh, Men at Work. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and 
and uh like the the scene a couple scenes right before that he just out of nowhere he's like what's that sound and then goes outside and finds a guy with a didgeridoo, didgeridoo and, yeah. Yeah. and then the guy like <laughs> gives him his agent card again now that i look back at the absurdity i can see the absurdity right. now it just yeah. was give me a call give me you, a call yeah yeah it was just not apparent while watching it but i'd yeah. have to now rewatch it now realizing that this is just an absurd comedy and maybe have a yeah. totally different you know idea of it uh mm-hmm. the the last part thing i kind of want to comment is i mentioned the while the cherries blossom thing but there was like 30 seconds after that happened that they just showed the little girl doing a weird thing with her dollhouse and then with it the just mouse. Oh, with the mice yeah with the, mice the, the mice yeah the mice yeah. what what was that he found that he mouse had a mouse remember he, it was his buddy yeah. i didn't remember he gave it there to her a mouse okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> You were probably rolling your eyes too hard at that point, and you're just like you couldn't see it. So yeah, yeah maybe yeah, um, yeah. Well, a whole whole different kind of thing when I look at it as a absurd comedy type stuff. So yeah, because I've definitely you said like the Caddyshack thing. I've definitely watched, you know, rewatched some of those comedy movies and with an eye for like what's the plot, what's the story arc, and and gone like. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, like there is just the barest framework in some of these movies, but then at other times it's like, nope, it's just this is just here for the joke, and and that's it, and and we're on to another scene. Yeah, and and it does yeah. make you realize that some of those films, without, as we said earlier, those legendary actors, are might be confusing like this. So if you had a Bill Murray come instead of Eric Roberts maybe it becomes one of a classic hilarious comedy of all time. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, and, and they just chose this one. So that is, it's a fine thing. And if you put a film out there and you don't have these incredible people, talent in comedy, um, then your Caddyshack isn't good. You know, if, yeah. if you or, don't or just people, I mean, yeah, that's, that's Caddyshack is you've got, um, Dangerfield and, uh, mm-hmm. and Bill Murray and, um, is, is Steve Martin in that? Um, you know, you you put these, you know, actors who are bringing the weight of their career with them to right. both the performance and the audience expectations, right? So people go. It's why so many uh, comedy actors struggle to transition into like serious or or dramatic acting is. That people mm-hmm. go into the theater or, you know, sit down to watch a movie expecting them to be this funny person. We've seen him in a dozen other things. Right. Well, yeah. I, I did fi- find out that there is a comic, but I don't know if it was done before or after the movie. And it's called Third World War Coca-Cola Kit. So I'll have to <laughs> do some more research. I'll have to do some more research to see if that if that came after or it was before and they took it out of that or I don't That's know, maybe just the origin okay. origin origin story for some, you know, comic hmm. comic book or graphic novel character that I've never heard of before. That's yeah. really interesting. That's oh, weird. okay. Weird. Yeah, you can well, buy it on uh on eBay right now. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't I don't know at this minute who or if I would recommend this film at all, 
But I now recommend. knowing what I know now from this conversation, I just think that I can't say anything about that until I go back and watch it again with completely different eyes. And then mm. I might recommend it to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I just, just need to watch it again. And that sounds weird because I would not have thought I would want to watch it again, but kind of the, what's come to light in my, in my mind now with scenes like, Oh, I should be laughing. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of absurdist comedy and that was how I felt about some of these scenes. I'm like, what if this is just nonsense? Um, <laughs> which it, you know, that's what absurd. Now means. we know that's the point, right? That's yeah, the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Chris, that's that's why we had you on, so you could tell us what the point was. We honestly, if if it's so, it's kind of crazy that Dennis and I would have felt that way. And let's say this would have been on our list, and we watched. I guarantee we would review it. So this is terrible with not even seeing the point of what we were supposed to be seeing. So, oh well, I'm glad I came on because yeah, give it another try someday. Yeah, gonna have to give that another another look. Yeah. All right. So what do we got next week? Uh, my pick, right? My yep. Pick? Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to do a Christmas thing. Um, and, December. yep, and, or holiday, we'll say. The, this is one that I've only seen once, and a million people see it every Christmas. They watch it over and over again for, since it's come out. Um, and I've only seen it once, so I don't think we've talked about it. It's called Love Actually. Um, I know people are listening, like, God, Love Actually? That's like everybody watches that, but I yeah, just haven't. I watch it every year. Yeah, see, there, there we go. I've, and I know a I've, lot of people, it's part I've of their... I've heard some, some cutting critique of that movie. And I'm sure that I've seen it uh, years ago, but um, it's not in my... It's not in my family's canon of of things we watch every mm-hmm. year, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife, Jen's not It's got, it's got Kira Knightley in it, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, because I, yeah, I remember thinking, like, she's, she's super cute. I think she's super cute in general, so... Sure. Maybe yeah. that's why I saw that and think, oh, yeah, I, I like this one. But, again, it's been years since I watched it. I honestly don't it's remember got, the plot. It's got Bilbo. Like it's it. got Bilbo in it. Is that right? Bilbo or is it? Frodo? Oh, really? Frodo. It's got Frodo in it. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. I don't oh, remember what his name is. Right Elijah. Now, Elijah um, Wood. Wood. No, the other one. No, the other one. Uh, now, now you're confusing me. Frodo. Frodo. Frodo, not Fro- Bilbo. That's Frodo, Frodo is Elijah Wood. Frodo's Elijah yeah. Wood. Do you mean? Oh, um, oh Bilbo then. Why am I blanking on his name from from Sherlock and and, and yes CEO. yes yes Sherlock guy yes that guy oh that one that Bilbo okay yes Martin yeah. Freeman Freeman Martin Freeman yeah right. yeah and he's he's a porn star and he's going through a romance so wow all right Chris's uh like sentence structures just throw me for a loop <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> well wait no it, it starts with the whole like. Bilbo, not Bilbo, then Frodo thing. I'm like, I'm really confused. And then, and then you follow it up with like, oh, and he's a porn star. I'm like, wait, Martin Freeman's a porn star? What in this movie? Did I miss yes. something? Oh, yeah, you mean you in the film? He's a porn star. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, what yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about star, but he's he's in a porno, and he Got it. he and there's a romance that goes on with the, uh, the other act, the actress that's in the in it. All right, I it's definitely sweet. do not remember that then. So I mean, yeah, it's very it. sweet, and not not terrible not gross or anything it's just you're like oh that's sweet no i do i do remember the feeling after watching it It was like wow this is something that i can't believe i've not seen before so i'm i will watch it and talk about it next week that'd be pretty pretty fun okay well that was interesting 
Um, heavyweights quick call it. I just want to take a minute, just a quick one, because it's not really worth much more minute to say that I I took um, Lola to go watch Wish. As a reminder, Lola is twelve, going to be thirteen next month. So that that age, Wish is the new Disney film, um, billed as a hundred years in the making. It was cute. It was fun. Uh, we enjoyed it. The songs weren't as catchy as things that, like that had just come out recently. Um, Encanto and um, just a couple others that have been really like great songs. There's one or two in there, but nothing. But a lot Disney oftentimes lives and dies by how good their songs are. Yeah. Um, and and it, they weren't that memorable. Um, but the plot was pretty basic. You kind of knew who the villain was in the first 10, 15 minutes at most. And you knew where the, the film was going all the way through. Uh, so that was nothing spectacular. And that's probably why it's not getting big, great reviews. Not because it's terrible, just because it's there's nothing new with it. And you know what's going to happen. Um, it does do, when they say 100 years in the making, it's often because they do a lot of callbacks to sure. other older Disney properties. There's like um, animals come out of the forest at one time. You're like, Oh, they're totally doing snow white here. Right. Sure. Uh, or a pumpkin and turns into a carriage. Like, Oh, that's the Cinderella callback, you know? Um, and when Lola and I got out of the theater, that's all she kind of wanted to do was say, I noticed this was from that. And this was from that. And this was from that. I was like, Oh yeah. Um, makes sense. And then there's the resolution of the whole thing the main character becomes you realize she is one of a major Disney character throughout history. You're like, Oh, okay. That's, that's her origin story, Hmm. but you didn't know that going into it type stuff. So anyway, film is, it's a fun Disney film. I do recommend it to anybody who likes Disney films. Um, and, but you're not going to get another Encanto like, Oh, that was so amazing. I'm gonna sing the songs forever and, you know, love everything about it. Or Moana, you know, like Moana was like a unique, interesting story with new songs and new amazing stuff. This is just kind of like middle of the road, um, basic Disney film to sure. put out this time. So it's a little unfortunate that the hundred big hundred anniversary thing was that, but that's all I had to say about that one. Um, what Chris, you play a lot of board game arena with uh, our friend group online. You got any? new games to recommend for us that you've been playing um on there? uh n- newest there's been a couple new ones uh one's called hadara which is oh, i don't understand that i'm pushing buttons you're gonna have to teach me that game <laughs> yeah well I'll, I'll i'll teach it to you i'm in a i'm in a tournament right now but it's it's a really fun game it's uh that you quick a lot of decisions but they're quick decisions usually and uh, you're either buying cards or you're not and uh, and so that one's that one's quite fun. And then the other one we're playing is called Planet Unknown. It's brand new. We've played it like three times now. We're still figuring it out. There's four of us who've played it all these times. It's kind of a mix between Tetris and um, what else is it a mix of? You've got a whole bunch of abilities that you're you're putting down onto the world, uh, and there's meteorites hitting it, and you have to clean up the meteorites and. Uh, and you've got to attach certain, or you've got to uh, make certain types of land touch each other so that you get bonuses and stuff like that. So it's kind of, it's been kind of fun. It's, it's, there's a lot is it to a, it. Is it a co- cooperative or a 
competitive? No, it's competitive, but everybody has their own world. So you're not, you're the only, the only thing you can affect others is there's a, you, everybody has a turn at picking who gets to choose that you, there's this dial that you spin and, um, and you can decide which one of the pieces you want, but you can also decide which the pieces you don't want others to get. And everybody's got challenges that they're trying to have the most of something or the least of something. And you're competing with the people next to you on either side of you. So, so that's about the only interaction that you have is that everything else is your own. Is that, is that similar to like a, a seven wonders type thing where the people left and the right are the ones that interact? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very similar to that. So. Oh. Have, have you played this one, Dennis? No, I'm from the description. I'm trying, I keep thinking of different games like, um, Ark Nova or earth. Um, earth. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I can't tell if it sounds similar to either of those. Um, mm. not really. Not exactly. I'm, no. I'm definitely going to have to come and like a little earlier on game night, Chris, and just sit down with you and you can point out how Hadar works. I've read the, the rules and I don't quite okay. get what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's not something I often happen with these games. So I played through this one and I'm still, I'm where I think on the last round here and I'm like, I still don't know what's going on. And I'm look, I, I've got to open it in front of me and it looks like Dennis is doing pretty good. So maybe Dennis can teach me too. <laughs> I, I can't tell if I am. I, that's a game that I played a couple times on BGA, just mostly clicking stuff after a time or two. I understood the food and the the basic gist of the buying um the card buying system and then mm-hmm. we played in not in person but in real time on a Tuesday and oh. that helped me understand the like metals how the metals work yeah i there's still some mechanics from like i don't understand how this does this um you know what makes this happen and when these other things happen but i do like it yeah i i, I know in our fast, group people is, talk about nice. like oh i love that and i'll play that so many times but yeah right i think it's just the fast pace and yeah you just have to hit some uh, milestones and when you hit those you get bonuses for hitting the milestones and then they cascade on for later rounds and stuff like that so you're just mm-hmm. kind of planning there's a little bit of planning oh, okay, yeah so but had to sit me down with the board and figure that one out, Chris. How about you, Dennis? Have you played anything new or interesting on Board Game Arena? That's probably the newest one. A couple of our friends, um, Aaron and Pete, will uh, get a get a bug and um, invite a few of usually like the three of us, Aaron, Pete, and I, to some new game. And sometimes they'll do like two or three of those at the same time. And I'm like, I can only learn one game at a time. And <laughs> this one, I'm just going to click on stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. There was one of those that went on for a long time. What was the one? Uh, I think, Michael, you were in this game. Um, that champagne game. I, uh, oh, yeah, I was in that. Yeah. And yeah. I was I never like, got it. I was like, is this almost over? Because I don't know what any of this is. I'm just clicking things. I'm I'm refusing to learn and I'm ready for it to be over so that people can play, you know, people who know how to play can play. Yeah. 
that's a, that's a really good example of kind of what we're talking about here, especially with like the Hadara thing. Um, and maybe Hadara is not, but that that game is it called just Champagne? Yeah, uh, just champagne. called Champagne. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. um, it, it I like read through the instruction booklet twice and really sat through, and then watched a how to play type thing with it. And that those three things, um, let me understand what was going on. And then I really had to understand what was going on from the first bit yeah. so that I know what I want to do for the long bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as we're playing it, I was like, yeah, of course people aren't going to know what to do. And even if you played all the way through just clicking buttons, there's nothing that really tells you. There's no re- instant reward Say, oh, you did this, you get five points, or now you have a new ability or something. Yeah. It just doesn't give you that feedback. You've got to know and be kind of taught. And maybe that's something with Hadara too. It's like that, but that champagne's a good example of um, you got to have instructions, and the instructions are not easy and easy read. One of the worst things about that instructions, I'll say, is that it tries to be very flavorful. So it um, uh, will put flavor text in about wineries and stuff right in the middle of all the rules. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, is this is this a, a rule that you're putting here? No, it's just talking about you know coveys or something with terms I don't understand Uh, Mm. so i like that game but yes that's it's i'm learning on board game arena there are just some games that need to be taught by someone right you know right and 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 we've mm -hmm. we've talked at length about how on on bga it's 100 percent possible to play a game and not learn it at all yeah um which i think is both a strength yeah i've done that um another game i played and didn't learn is called dei uh, divide okay. at Impera. oh yeah I played I played that one diversity equity and inclusion yeah no. and um, no, no. It, it's okay. some kind of sci-fi like dudes on a map game um, one I played and did we played it once and I was like okay this is I need to this is simple enough that I I can you know I can figure it out but the um, you know, playing it is not going to teach me. I got to watch a video. It's a game called Loco Momo. Either of you play Loco that? Loco Momo, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I played that with you. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's got, every player has a grid, a, a board with a grid, like a 16, no, 25 square grid. And the rows and columns on the grid score in different ways. Um, it's a little bit like Draftosaurus in that way. Hmm. Um, okay. And then the center board has these four squares of four uh, that are separated in a circle. That's not a circle, it's a square. But um, if I just say squares and squares in a square, none of that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> the, the middle board has four sets of four animal tiles. And there are five kinds of animal, I think. And multiple colors. I don't know if there are five colors also or four colors or something. Um, And the animals have rules for when you draft them, right? You take turns drafting. And when you pick an animal, it does something. Like the rabbit will go clockwise until it finds another rabbit. And the eagle, I don't know. I don't remember all those rules. That's one of the things BGA does for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And it'll highlight, like, if you take this one, you take this blue rabbit, and it's like the animals are the same color. They have different color backgrounds. Um, If I take this blue rabbit, it's also going to give me 
this other blue rabbit in the next set and a blue bear or whatever. Um, and so you want to try to draft the animals that are going to give you the most other animals, but you also have goals on your personal board. Um, there's a row where you want all the animals to be the same. There's one where you want them all to be different. And then there are five, um, like pair columns above that. So if you have a rabbit in the first one and then a rabbit above it, you get points for that pair. And then if you get a third rabbit, you get more. It's like five and then four or something. Okay. And then there are bonus points for every row or column, row and column, that you fill with all the same color. Right? So you have multiple goals going on, but none of it is super complex. Um, I think we played one... I think if I won one of them... No, it looks like Pete won both times. I got really close the second time um, because I just drafted everything the same color. Um, and that almost worked out for me. But, uh, yeah, got edged out by Pete by a few points. Um, but that was a simple Typical. one that, uh, that I learned and played. We all played a game with Cogswell called Moon River. You guys remember this? I heard that. It was like King Domino, but oh, Wild right. West. I mean, this one's right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I remember now. <laughs> We're all like, oh, yeah, that one. I'm, I'm looking at the yeah, game history, one. and it's the two of you plus Cogswell. I'm like, I know yeah. I know you play it. But I, I saw it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that game. Because we didn't play it again after that. Um, yeah, that was interesting. I only understood part of it. Um, well, It felt more like we should just play King Domino. Kind of, right? yeah. There's like a bunch of things, and you're stealing cows back and forth and there's a way to protect the cows but um i picked a bad multiplier like i assumed going for gold would be good because it's gold but you actually get more points gold. um from corn which is there's maybe a there's maybe a lesson there a life lesson um <laughs> <laughs> maybe well well there there is i don't know if you know this but um since we're on board game arena Board Game Arena is running a thing right now for the month of December. 31 games, one released every day for a full month. So there are going to be a lot of new hmm. Board Game Arena games this month that I think if you guys are paying attention, people are going to want to start or, or doing or talk about. Yeah. Maybe we'll come back here and talk about some of them. Um, it's the When we're recording this right now, it's December uh, 4th. Um, the list of the games so far is Oasis, New Hope, Gift of Tulips, Trike, and a game that I think you should play, Dennis, looks right up your alley called uh, Hanama or with Hanamakoji. It's I, I here, thought me... you were going to say Hannah Montana. Han Hannah Montana. <laughs> no, uh, just the the opening sentence on this one is most welcome to the most famed geisha street in old capital Hanamakoji. Geishas are elegant and graceful women who are skilled in art, music, and dance in a variety of performances and ceremonies. Greatly respected and adored, geishas are masters of entertainment. In Hanamakoji, two players compete to earn the favor of seven illustrious geishas. That sounds okay. like, a, like a game we, we need to play. I, I have a couple of physical games with that same kind of like pitch or backstory. Mm -hmm. 
um, that I got on Kickstarter from a, I don't know if it's a couple or just one person, but it's a small indie studio in Japan that does these like, you know, this one's a tea party where you've got to bring gifts and snacks, but you've got to, you know, follow the sort of etiquette and things. And they look really cool. I've never played them. Um, I carry them around with me and I'm always like, Oh, I don't know how this game, so I can't teach it. Like, am I gonna? Are we gonna <laughs> learn in a whole in a whole group? But they have really, right. you know, you know, they're small box, but have have really um, uh, beautiful components and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. This 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 last sentence sounds like a, a, a challenge for for Chris. With careful speculation and a few bold moves, can you outsmart your opponent to win the favor of the most geishas? I think you can, Chris. Think you can yeah, I'll do it. I'm, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> Favor of the most geishas. Y- years uh, we're, we're, years we're of going. watching harem anime have prepared me for this. Yes, yes it has. That's, that's cool. correct. We're, we're, we're ready for it. I know all the tricks. I, I think it's a card game, so I'm not entirely certain, but we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to play that and see and come yeah. back to it and check it out. Um, so, yeah, lots, lots of those uh, new games coming to Board Game Arena. And, you know, they, they're they are getting more and more all the time. They, they hit, it's a huge platform with a ton of games, but I'm always stunned at how often they're putting like full versions of incredible games out there to play for free. We're not sponsored by board game rain or anything, but still just an impressive, impressive site that we use constantly. Right. Yeah. I had, I had hoped when they were acquired by Asmodee, they would um, expand their, I mean, there are a ton of games on the site, but there are certain games that you're like, oh, I wish this was on here because I like it, but I don't want to, like, go through all the hassle of Tabletop Simulator or something to play it remotely. Right. Yeah, especially with Asmodee's game library that they could yeah. put that, put those things out there. I mean, it's it's yeah, a just... it's a tricky situation, right? Like, you, you put it out and play for free, will people buy your product type thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a an interesting thing to have. So yeah, I don't know how I pay board game arena for the yearly thing, but it's so, so inexpensive that, yeah, yeah I think I do too. So ex- yeah. It's just it's like to give them support. You know, but I, yeah. I get so much use out of that site. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Agreed. It's, it, I, it's, it might even be something like $15 a year, some kind of nonsense, but it's, it's to the 35. point that when we, when we all get together in person, like I don't have as much of a, driving urge to to play games because i'm playing games all the time playing games all the time yeah, yeah. And, and good implementations yeah and they just and get I, better I just, looked, better I just looked it up it says there's 577 games on on there and 8 million people wow, wow. yeah i believe that and, and they're not like crappy games like i can go to the game store and say there's 500 games and they're all crappy because they're like Two dollar games, or we've been all been at Gen Con and seen my crappy games. But Board yeah. Game Arena has some fantastic games, really big, well known yeah. games, really big like yeah. Terra Mystica and um, yeah, games we won't play in person anymore because they're just so good on Board Game Arena. Why would I want to play them in person? So, That's yeah. very and, true. And equally, some that you're like, oh, this this would be better in person. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and games that we all, one of them I want to point out is games that we, we, I would like to play, but man, there's so many bits and bops everywhere. It's uh, like Seven Wonders, not Architects per se, but Seven Wonders in general. 
like there's yeah. so much overhead and key upkeep and things like that, but not at all on board game arena. Just push the button and it's and it's there. Yeah, 100%. real fast. Like cuts an hour gameplay or two hour gameplay into thirty minutes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right, that's our fanboying over. Enough of us fanboying <laughs> over that. Um, last thing I think we got to talk about that we can really talk about here uh, with our our special guest is uh, we talk a lot about board, uh, Baldur's Gate three um, on this show because it's one of our favorite games probably of all time. Um, but um, Captain Chris is part of our regular Sunday night group um, playing this, and you. So I, I kind of want to get your opinions and thoughts on the game, Chris. What? Mm-hmm. This, now, you have not played... Dennis and I both play like single-player outside of the multiplayer experience, but you've only played this primarily through multiplayer, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've started like three other games that were solo, and I have made like an hour in on each of them. That's as far as I've gotten. Um, so, yeah, mostly I've just played with, with the, the three of you guys. So... And that's kind of what I want to like really discuss what's different about this than our last talks about it is that you're experiencing this game as almost like a tabletop shared experience Mm -hmm. game. Uh, Whereas Dennis and I will play it through and do the story and all the bits, almost like it's a single player game. Uh, But so how does this stack up for a multiplayer role-playing game for you to anything else that you've played on video games? It's actually really good. Like I, yeah, I I've played a lot of the other ones, you know, and you know, put in sixty hours for all of them and that kind of thing. So I just, you know, you guys were already doing it, and then we decided we'd do this together, and and I think I've mentioned a couple times when we play, I I I think after we're done, or maybe when you're farther in, or I've just got you know, time off that I can just go play it. I will because I'd like to make all the wrong choices and see how that goes. (laughs) Um, You know, all the all the obvious wrong choices. I'd like to go do that because, you know, like when I'm playing with you guys, I, I mean, I've done a couple of things that I think, uh, you regret letting me in, uh, to play, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but because I like doing that stuff, but you know, like I'm, I don't do that much of it. And there's been a couple of times I just like, no, let's just punch this guy and let's do that instead. You know? Um, and yeah. And our friend Trotsky would have none of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> he and I would probably, we, we, he and I would probably get in a fight. <laughs> when we have so. when we have uh, some one thing that's different for for players who haven't played or listeners who haven't played this game is that um, it's there's decision wheels like most role playing games. You come up, you, sit, you make a choice, yeah. and then they respond right. and back and forth. But in a multiplayer environment here, uh, there's a primary person who's ta- doing the talking who maybe initiates this the conversation, and and they get to make the choices, but everyone else who's listening to it and part of there can vote. Right. Right. And you right. see that, Oh, Chris has voted for that. And Dennis has voted for that. And I voted for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I want to say that I, it's always great to see that I can almost always tell which choice Chris is going to vote for. Um, <laughs> cause it, it is like the most absurd one, which after playing with you for a month or two now, like I think last week it, it was, you and I mentioned that going back and playing again, you just said making all the air quotes wrong choices. But right. w- when I recognized, you know, you picking those, I was like, man, that, that would be just a fun way to play that game. Just things yeah. that you know would go chaos and random and whatever. And see I, I think, 
I think my theory is that half of them will will be very cool and and unique that what you get, and half of them will just lead into this like, terrible dead end, you know, like <laughs> just the like oh that was the worst choice I've ever made, you know, kind of sure. things. But where <laughs> some of them will be like it'll be bizarre and lead you down a road that that's the only way to get down that road is if you make this weird choice. Um, so that's why it'd be fun to do it, I think. So and. Yeah, and some some of those choices. So when I vote, some of those votes are just to poke Trotsky if he's if he's the one making the decision. When we know perfectly <laughs> he's well our bard what he's going to pick. Yeah. yeah, he's the bard. So there'll be a bard choice, and I'm always going to pick the most bizarre one when there's a bard choice because he's going to pick the bard choice. Right. So. I I think you're right too. Is that that there are going to be those aren't some some games. Well, I think like Mass Effect games. It's one something that came, comes to mind with decision wheels and such that they that you know mm-hmm. they'll put those weird choices but they all kind of lead i think you might have said stuff about this dennis they all lead to the same way anyway but Baldur's gate three yeah. i think that you're probably right chris because a couple i've picked in, in single player games is that i think that's not always true like you said maybe 50 percent of the time it actually is mm-hmm. the only way to go down a specific path um, yeah which there, is there are definitely i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast, I probably have, but I, I lost the hard drive from my Windows computer. And um, so I lost two because because of that bug uh, or weird thing with the cloud save sync. I had my first original game that was maybe, I, I don't know if I even want to say 80, probably closer to 60% through Act 1. And... Then I got that game up to the end of Act 2. It was a three-act game. And um, from what I've seen, like, I don't know. I haven't played a lot of Act 3. Like, I've done a lot of things, but I'm but I'm kind of going in a straight line almost. Um, hmm. uh, act 1 seems bigger than Act 2. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Whatever. I, I'm off track. I always play these games. I usually... I, when I play these games, I always go straight to, you know, like I go very predicted line and then I go back and always play it bizarre. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know I, I got, well, I got that first game to the very beginning of act three and then realized that I was ahead of everybody, including um, Pete, who'd been playing as much or more than I was. And so I started a second game where I was evil. I did the dark urge origin which that would be fun uh, people know will know about that um and i i didn't get that one as far but i got it like 10 percent, 10 15 percent into act two and then my hard drive died so i was like okay well i don't want to start what i'm doing completely over so let me start a completely new thing where i'll play a paladin and i'll do just good things um now i have the dilemma of I can't completely switch off my like video game player brain. Um, it's really hard for me to have a character role play something that I know is going to be bad gameplay wise. Like I'm not going to yeah. get a really good item or something. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's even harder when I've done. I've done the same content in Act 1 like half a dozen times now between our multiplayer game and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 solo games. Um, 
and yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of little things that I'm like, oh, if you're playing a paladin, like the paladin gets a bunch of opportunities to judge in dialogue, right? When two people are arguing, you'll get an option mm-hmm. to like, you know, I I live for justice. Tell me everything, and I'll decide. Um, uh. and and my dark urge character is a drow so there's a lot of interactions with like um goblins or gnomes where they'll either be uh like really obsequious like groveling or they'll just be like shitty to you They're like oi what yeah. do you want you know the, the main drow you want to see is inside um and yeah, there are definitely things where I'm like, what happens if I pick this one? Because I'll always pick the same. And playing playing with a sort of like like intentional morality um, really changes. Like it affects the way you make decisions. Because I'm like, well, I would do this, but this character is a paladin. So she's going to. And even my my evil character is not totally evil like now that i'm into act three i'm kind of doing like some good things a lot of that is the is the romance um right. system because you don't want to uh, at least i right. don't want like i have a i have one companion that each um that each of these uh tabs main characters is is romancing and so i don't want to just be a dick to everybody um that I meet. And so it's been interesting to see just in myself, like when I get to these situations, I'm like, huh, it's interesting because in this situation, my super good paladin and my evil dark urge drow both did the same thing. Like maybe pick different options in dialogue, but I'm like, yeah, my paladin doesn't like these Dwergar because they're slavers. And yeah. my drow doesn't like these Dwegar because they're dicks. And I right. like both, <laughs> right. I end up killing them either way. I'm like, that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that is I, funny. I, I appreciate this, this, uh, us playing this multiplayer thing greatly because of I can take myself out of that a little bit from sure. the video game thing. You were just saying, like, you know, it's hard to not say, oh, there's a a sword down this way or, or a thing that way. I, I'm not going as expansive. I'm still in act two in my single player and I'm, I'm not going as expansive to clear everything and check everything uh, as I was in, in act one. So I feel that the choices that we come across as our multiplayer group will hopefully be, you know, lead down a path that I have no idea what's going to happen, mm-hmm. which is more exciting to me. And it, it is nice that this group can, can do like this is what i would like chris says this is what i would do you know and he'll vote for Mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah um and then and then we just make those choices based on what we want to do instead of what we know oh i kind of want to get the item in here or the waypoint over there Uh, which yes dennis like you i also have a hard time in a single player to differentiate between what what i want in that video game mind of mine yeah um but it's as a dm it's interesting to, to watch this because your thing about like, I know there's a sword down there so that I'm going to be nicer to the guy or go this way than I didn't. It's the same thing in actual D and D too. Like a DM will put a guy in front of you knowing that there's a sword of chaos in the basement. 
And then what happens is the player's like, I hate that guy. I'm going to cut his head off, you know? <laughs> and, and I think that our multiplayer game, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, I think in our multiplayer game, it's more closer to the, I want to cut his head off because I hate him. Uh, than the, uh, let's go down there where the GMs get him. So we get the sort of chaos. It feels like a little bit more free flow. Yeah. Choicing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, so. and it's, and, I, I, and it's interesting to, to compare between, um, I, I, well, let me finish one thought before I start another, um, (laughs) to compare, like so far our multiplayer group hasn't done anything that I haven't done in a solo game from multiple angles. Um, I've never, never. Yeah. I don't, I don't think in a solo game I've had to defend the Grove from the attack. I've always fought them in the goblin town. Um, mm-hmm. except my evil game where I was on their side and that was that was the most difficult part of playing evil because slaughtering children <laughs> you they don't make you slaughter the children but the children are dead um, and having done the fight from both sides siding with the goblins mechanically combat wise is much easier like all yeah. of those tieflings are like eight hit point level one. Not all of them, but most of them are. Like right. I'll see a big group of them, and I'm like, oh, and, and they all go down in like one hit, one offhand attack, um, and it's and it's rough. Uh, as a not evil person playing an evil video game character, um, you you, you right. need to you need that good people party to help defend that town, right? <laughs> Is what you're saying, right? Or or deal with them you know before they even before they even get yeah, there but get there. what's interesting yeah. about playing multiplayer versus all of my solo games is that i have to justify everything so, you know <laughs> socially with the group like you know if mm-hmm. i want a long rest because i know that there's a big cutscene coming up or or something like i have to convince the group to do it um or if you know we want to make a decision in dialogue um i can't just do it like I have to convince Trotsky or whoever is talking um, cause I'm playing a rogue. I don't have high charisma. Um, and, yeah. and that's been interesting. I also, speaking of speaking of the chaotic choices, um, I was online one day and I saw uh, a handful of Horalovich's. Oh, uh, Dan is not Horalovich. He's on, the mother their mother's side but um cousin. Yeah. yeah cousin pete and ben and dan all on and i saw them log on on steam on baldur's gate and i popped in i was like what are you guys what are you guys doing and we started a run where we're all playing gnome barbarians except pete pete's playing oh, that's a, awesome <laughs> pete's playing a halfling um we're playing gnome barbarians with maxed out strength and using almost exclusively throw attacks and (laughs) and wherever possible that's fun throwing bodies yes so see that's my kind of game so we we collect and as many you can really only carry two corpses at a time um okay because of the weight but you can carry you can carry like two goblins and a skeleton because the goblins are like 
twenty. How, how much weight? Twenty five, thirty five kilograms, and a and a skeleton is like twenty. And then you can throw them if you're not far enough away. You can use improvised weapon to, um, you know, hit an enemy with another enemy, either with a dead goblin or with a goblin that's still alive. Pick him up and throw him at his buddy. And it's just how much damage do they do? Uh, it does damage based on its weight, so heavier things mm-hmm. do better. There's also a thing where if you throw a weapon, certain kinds of weapons, um, they'll do bludgeoning damage for the throw, but they'll also do like piercing or slashing depending on what weapon type they are, as if you had attacked with them. Like you could throw a sword, Ooh. and it's like attacking with that sword, but it also will do bludgeoning damage because it's a thrown object. It's weird. Like I'm scouring the combat log trying to figure out how did that do three hits? Um, and then if you throw things, they'll sometimes also take fall damage. Um, it's just, right. no one should be su- surprised next Sunday <laughs> when my character starts throwing things. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But Chris, why did you not bash with your plus 24 damage weapon, but through that one D four log? What, what was that about? <laughs> See how it careened off his head? It was so it was beautiful. The arc that came up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I'll come up a with lot some of reason. and and like we're barbarians, so everybody's just wearing their starter clothes with no uh no armor. <laughs> um and just throwing stuff. Like sometimes throw each other because we're all playing small characters. But the the biggest downside is everybody has reduced movement speed. <laughs> Because, right. because we're four gnomes <laughs> and a halfling, or three gnomes and a halfling, um, so it's going to take a while. But it's <laughs> to get anywhere. It's just chaos. Like I'll I'll throw random stuff because I think it's funny. Like throw a plate or throw a book. Um, doesn't do a lot of damage, but there's always a chance if I'm raging that it will knock them prone, um, which is also hilarious. It's it's the kind of thing that if I hadn't already done this content half a dozen times i would probably pass on it be like no that sounds annoying um but because it's just because it's just stupid goofy fun on the rare instances that they're all online the same time i'm online we've only played twice um right both just randomly um it's it's pretty great well the if if there's we have rarely said anything detracting from Baldur's Gate 3 so I might be one of the first ones to say something um, is that since we've been playing multiplayer I go back to single player um, I am less concerned about anything like I am I one thing I enjoyed was like I'm going to use my ice thing to put ice on the ground or water on the ground and then electric to shoot the thing so it triggers that thing and then I, I get my gear that has electrical pluses on it but now I've realized and especially when I hear more and more like what you're describing there and then from our multiplayer game is that it almost feels like you can almost face roll through most of the game. And that's a good thing that's caused, I think, a lot of people to play the game and enjoy it and see the sure. story and not get stopped <clears throat> like a Divinity Original Sin 2 type thing where it's overly punishing. Mm-hmm. But but there's just so much, you know, a, a really high efficiency things you can do in the game, but you don't need to do any of that. Like if you can, if like you can win the game by just throwing corpses, like why do you need to have the most awesome Uber sword? Yeah. Right? I, I mean, like 
One, one dude could probably single without any group members going <laughs> fighting. Yeah, it fight. sounds like uh, it sounds like you need to play on tactician. No, I I'm on tactician. Oh, you know, it's, it's well, still, the yeah. the big new patch has has honor mode, which is even harder. Oh, maybe that's what. It, maybe okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, okay. And I, I, you know me, I don't like crazy hard games. I'm not saying that, but I it playing in multiplayer and then hearing these other things play on on the same modes that I play on or close to it make, makes me feel that makes me realize that none it's it's I'm spending too much time worrying about anything. Oh, like, sure. I, do, I don't even need to look at my inventory. I don't even need to care about picking up an item. I, I did I get a weapon? Okay, who who cares? As long as I'm plowing through stuff with longsword plus one i don't need anything more hmm. right and, and i think that's that's the way it's kind of been for me since that realization is like and, and and we've said this before who cares i just long rest every five minutes you know fight a guy long rest fight another guy long rest mm-hmm. so it's just i i don't need to worry about leveling up and getting any spells i just use two spells fireball and lightning bolt right that's it <laughs> um I, I don't need to anything else besides the one uber attack weapon with my longsword, you know, because it does 30 damage. Yeah, you know? that's my... I I reviewed this game on Steam, which is maybe the only Steam review I've written, but they gave me the little notification like, you've played 300 hours. Would you recommend <laughs> this game to others? Um, <clears throat> part of that's because I did so much content twice because of my hard drive dying, but... Um, the closest thing I have to a complaint is that there are mechanics in the game discouraging you from long resting. And I understand why, like if there weren't the savvy player would just long rest after every uh, combat encounter. But the trouble with that is they gate so much story behind long resting. Like there's a big um, companion stories that only advance when you're in camp resting. And they have these things like, really good buffs that last until you long rest or they you know you got to spend food and which seems like a finite resource even though there's food there's a ton of food just everywhere um and so it feels like you want to play and play until all of your spell slots are gone and you don't want to burn 20 potions healing everybody back up and then you go long rest and you've missed a bunch of story um because of that yeah yeah it's i, I didn't want to say that my it come out to feel that i'm saying that it makes it a bad game or anything I, no i, definitely I mean it's it's way. a yeah. it's a very minor like it's obviously a game designed for multiple playthroughs um yes and so it's fine yeah. like if you if you miss it you play it again and maybe you'll see it next time yeah yeah so right. so it's that's been a little realization to me and, and it, it, it actually has lightened the game more for me. I do enjoy some of the, when you can get into it and see those item interactions that work well together and such. Mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy that and finding the legendary sunbeam sword or something like that. But now it's, there's a lot less pressure to even like worry about that. I'm missing something or I'm not getting the best thing, or I'm going to have pr- tr- trouble later on because I missed X, Y, or Z. I don't think that's going to be a problem. So, but there is a new patch and that's, you said there's, they changed a lot of stuff with the endings and whole new epilogues and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't mm. gotten back in because I'm got sucked into another stupid Factorio run. But um, <laughs> yeah, new what? epilogues. You're playing and the, Factorio? What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had 
I had Thanksgiving weekend with no with no family or anything and mm-hmm. I was seeing all of the like um the update posts on Steam because I kept opening Steam to play Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I kept And they're those. like, "Oh, it's this and this." And I'm like, "Are they doing a whole space exploration thing?" And I did this whole run without reading any of those news posts and didn't realize that it's an expansion that they're talking about. It none of it's out yet. Is this the one with the trains? We probably shouldn't um, get into this, but anyway, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's there's a whole, whole. There's a whole thing. They're whole they're thing. doing a whole space thing with planets, and so after I read that and found that uh, out, I was like, maybe I should really try the space exploration mod. So that's what I'm doing now. But anyway, uh, yeah, there's big new epilogues. Even if um, honor mode seems to me like a kind of hardcore mode, except. Um, it's not uh it's not really permadeath like if you if you tpk if your whole party dies um the game downgrades into hardcore i think uh not hardcore um tactician tactician okay and there's a there's an achievement you get if you finish the game in honor mode that's like a custom dice skin or something which seems small to me, but then also at the same time, you're like, yeah, nobody has this dice skin except I feel like people could do that with mods, but whatever. Yeah. Um, who, who's never died before, you know? Yeah, who played a whole game on hard mode without completely dying. Um, you know, so obviously you use more revivify scrolls and always have a cleric with that spell and, and stuff. But um, there's also a custom mode where. You can customize, uh, I saw some of the settings in the YouTube video, like, um, the multiplier for food, because in, um, in balanced, it takes 40 supplies to long rest and in tactician, it takes 80. Um, so there's a, the custom mode where you could set that to whatever you want and, um, change a bunch of other things, just a bunch of sliders and drop downs. Yeah, so those are my those are minor things. Not to knock on the game anymore, but overall, I I do enjoy multiplayer a lot more than I ever thought I've ever played with like an, an RPG. What things a single player RPG? And I'm really enjoying our our group and the way we make those decisions. And it's not always mm-hmm. optimal, but sometimes it is, and sometimes we'll make mistake air quotes mistakes, um, and that's okay. Um, it's not save and move on. It's not exactly I mean, like D and D killing goblins that you you lose kill. some flexibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is a lot like playing really playing D and D. Yeah, so you can d- make those group discussions. You know, it's funny, Chris. Having played D and D with you, I I still it's it's very similar to that. He says it's like D and D. That that is very similar because I, I used to sit to my left when we play. When I was teaming, mm-hmm. you sit to my left, and I and I could almost feel the tension of you wanting to do something, but like being okay with the group. But it almost felt like a okay, we can do that. And there was like a leading but that should be coming out here. But Chris wants to do right. this other thing, and yeah. and when when we're playing this, I still I get that feeling again. So. To Dennis's point, it's like D and D. I'm getting that same vibe from you sometimes, and it's like, yeah, oh yeah, that's sometimes so reminiscent of actual D and D. 
Yeah, sometimes. Like I, sometimes I, you know, like I'm, I'm, and I'm wrong sometimes when I think those things. But sometimes I think oh, it'd be more fun if we went no. the other way, you know, or no, we do no. that. Or you wrong know. is the, the wrong, the wrong term. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, like, like, w- yeah, but I mean, we still get a good result. Like whatever we do, I was like, oh, this was fun too, you know. Like, but sometimes I think, oh, that other wave may have been more fun, you know. Like, and I was saying, like, uh, don't kill, you know random goblins that you know you just want to see if you can kill them that way um like i did at the beginning of this one that that taught me a lot about this game like you guys are like yeah that this closed off all of these quests that you know we could have done blah blah blah. and i was like oh i didn't even think about that That, you know that's that's the part that's that's the part that's not like D &D, is yes right where where for for me knowing gotten us back there knowing what's going to happen um like there's a there's a party wide buff in the monastery that adds one d four radiant damage to everybody's melee attacks, and for a while it was bugged where you could re you could get it again, um, and mm. so through like all of my first time through Act Two, I kept going back to get that buff because I'm like, you know, I've got a rogue that's doing three attacks around. And I'm in Act Two. You're fighting a bunch of undead. I'm like, yeah, I want this this one d four radiant damage. And then they changed it to where you only get uh, you only get it once until you long rest. Right. Yeah. Mm. Right. For one thing, which is as intended. And so. but I couldn't <laughs> yeah. I couldn't figure out how to get the party back to that without just saying that, which is boring. Like I don't want to say like, oh, if we go over here, we'll get a cool buff. Like that's not. That's not the D and D multiplayer no, experience, right? Like it's yeah, it's got a feel right. the game, like role playing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it is like that. Like we are trying to to keep it story based, and, and you're right. When you play the games like that, you're like, oh yeah, I need to go over and get that. Then I then I go attack this, especially if you failed once, and you're just like, okay, mm-hmm. I've got to optimize here so I can make it through this. So. Right. Well, and, and to the point you made earlier, then it's like you're right. That's the way. The, our lizard brain wants to to do that, but we don't need it, right? The game is actually made right. where, yeah. I mean, we don't need it. At we're all. playing unbalanced. We don't need that. Um, that also gives you the key for that thing down below that we had to fight. Um, yeah. And I was like, well, yeah. I guess there's probably a way you can do this. When I tried to do that, it blew up the monastery. Um, but <laughs> there, there's obviously a way that you can you can fight that. Um, if you don't, I think I used, I probably used my rogue. I probably used a Starion to open. So he was trapped in that wall thing. Yeah. Well, we, mm. we, the, the, the last bit there is we, we did really good on that one. I was, I was a little nervous. What, how we're going to do? Cause I know also that it blows up and not, it's not that easy, but man, our, our team really did a good job and wrecked it pretty quick. So that was well yeah. done. Mm. Uh, okay. I think that's what we got for tonight. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Sure. I always have fun when I come on, so thanks for having me. Nice. Awesome. So take us out, Dennis. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 326. Thanks, as always, to our friends at LRM Online. Check them out for reviews on things. Uh, if you want to reach out to us via email, and I don't know, I have a funny quip. T- tell us other movies that are, are comedies in disguise. Uh, you can do that. Via email, our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. 
If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms to reach out to us. And show notes, I'll put links to the games uh, that we talked about. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a favorable review, we would appreciate that. It helps out in those algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, for me, for Michael, for Chris, we'll see you next time. Night, everybody. Thank you.